Folks, I'm about to do something I never thought I'd do, and you're about to find out what that is because my show starts now. I'm very hard on California and California's tyrant governor, Greasy Gavin Newsom, and for good reason. I mean, look at California, fifth largest economy in the world, and it's a literal trash bin of taxes, homelessness, drugs, and crime. I mean, a dumpster fire of filth and a cautionary tale. But I'm actually getting off track because that's actually not what I'm talking about today. Yes, hold on to your hats, folks. I'm about to tip my hat to Governor Gavin Newsom and uphold my vow to give credit where credit is due. So here it is, and for Gavin, the bar is low, but I have to give him props for this. Greasy Newsom has vetoed a bill that would have allowed for safe injection sites, aka supervised shoot-up zones, in the major and drug-ridden cities of LA, Oakland, and San Francisco, saying such sites would have presented a world of unintended consequences. Gavin, oh buddy, oh pal, I never thought I would say this, but yes, yes, you are correct. The idea of providing safe zones for addicts and tweakers to shoot up their illicit drug of choice while staff members stand by in case of an OD is the most ludicrous freaking thing I've heard in a while. Hell, why not just hire a needle concierge to inject the drugs for them while they sit booze out of a paper bag? I mean, shoot, might as well at that point. Worth mentioning, these cities already facilitate a needle exchange, so that's not that far off. But you know who else tried these government-sponsored drug dens? Former New York City Mayor de Blasio. Yes, in his last four weeks in office and just in the nick of time, New York City Mayor de Blasio opened shooting galleries for his drug-addicted constituents, an open-air market of sorts for heroin and other injectables. At the time, de Blasio called it a safe and effective way to address the opioid crisis. But I'm not sure how safe and smart the approach was given that at least five people overdosed at one of his prevention centers on day one. And on that same day at that same center provided refuge for at least 85 users who injected illegal substances such as heroin laced with fentanyl. But speaking of fentanyl, I wonder where it's coming from. So good for Gavin for nipping it in the bud. Now, at least to me, his motivation is obvious. He's eyeing a presidential run in 24 and sponsoring open-air heroin dens isn't the best look for a national election. But still, I begrudgingly say, credit where credit is due. Without these safe sites, druggies will just have to settle for shooting up their illicit drugs on park benches, street corners, and on the stoops of homes and businesses right next to the human excrement that also fills the streets. So yes, California still sucks, but this is a small, and I mean a very small win for Gruesome Newsome. So hats off to you, comrade. Don't forget you can catch the whole show on Outkick.com as well as exclusive content, Outkick.com. But still ahead, grooming in the USA, and I'm not talking about dogs or personal, personal hygiene. Landon Starbuck joins me to break down the dangerous LGBTQ agenda likely targeting a child near you. Stay tuned. There's nothing wrong with being gay, and I don't care what folks choose to identify as, be a potato for all I care. However, when the LGBTQ grooming starts infiltrating classrooms and indoctrinating children, well, Houston, we have a problem. It's becoming commonplace, and groomers aren't even trying to hide it anymore. Still, many parents and guardians remain unaware of the crap that's hidden in plain sight. So here to break down a few notable examples is Landon Starbuck, founder of Freedom Forever U.S., Thank you for being here. There's so many things we have to discuss, so I'm gonna go to the first story that you flagged for me, you and Robbie both flagged for me. So the first story you brought to my attention comes to us from the co-founder of the Yale Pediatric Gender Program. Let's take a look at this. I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program 
working with gender expansive individuals, three to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. All right, you gotta explain this to me because this is becoming not only commonplace, but it's becoming endorsed by people that you never thought would get away with endorsing this kind of thing. What did my viewers just see there? Well, you saw um, these academic elites and the experts basically endorsing the idea that three-year-olds are ready to go on a gender journey. And what that actually is, is just a euphemism for the medical exploitation and experimentation of children. Why would they do this? What is the motivation? Any adult should know that children are not able to choose what gender they are, certainly not take hormones, go under the knife, have surgeries. I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why the academic and scientific community is pushing this so hard. Do you have any idea what the end goal of this might be? Well, I do. I mean, you look at, um, in Marxist history, they did this. They attacked the identities of children. They subverted the parent-child bond. And everything that's happening under the guise of the medical umbrella is about separating children from their true identities, their family values, and creating this rift between parents and children. And not only that, but the power dynamics. Because these establishments, these medical establishments, are doing this without parental consent in many cases. They are advertising to children, come here, we'll be your family. We'll, we'll you know, come walk you to your appointments if your parents can't make it or don't know about the appointment. They are facilitating this behind parents' backs. This coercion tells you there is a hidden agenda and it's to degenderize de because that destabilizes the identities in the family unit. And people don't know what they are anymore. I mean, there is a certain segment of the population that might want to change their gender. And when they get to a certain age, if they want to do that, I mean, I'm about freedom over everything. Do what you want to do. You're a consenting adult. Right. But when you start telling children at a young age that their biological gender is not set in stone and they can be whatever they want to be, they can be fluid, that messes with a young person's yes. mind. It's one thing if it's like, hey, if you're a little girl and you want to play with robots, go for it. If you're a little boy and you want to play with dolls, right. whatever. But this is so far beyond this. This is not just wear what you want, play with what you want. This is, hey, maybe your actual makeup should be changed. Maybe the hormones in your body should be changed. And we're seeing it now. I just saw a story the other day that you guys also flagged for me. You've got a child who has transgender parents who's now set to go under a transgender surgery. So this is, it's working. Right. Well, and this tells you that it's not an organic, natural movement. This is an industry where they're making so much money off of vulnerable children, including that child. And so this is an ideologically motivated uh, phenomenon. That's why we're seeing it in primarily Democrat big cities getting pushed through. So if this was something that was naturally occurring, we would see more naturally occurring children wanting to transition. But no, it's always tied to that indoctrination, to the school environment that's putting these ideas in their heads, starting with the pronoun conversation. And once we see ground with the pronouns, it is downhill from there. Once we start making a peace with a lie and validating that lie, we are complicit then as parents, as you know, people who care about children with that lie, we're helping them validate it. And that is that start of that destabilization that takes place in kids' minds. And that's why they're going to psychiatrists and psychologists seeking help because it is truly messing with them. And what happens to these kids? What kind of care do they get? Nope, they only get affirmative care because that's the new model with therapists. So now there's these underground networks that we talked about on the last show that I did with you that parents are, are having to seek out these private therapists because they're scared and the therapists are scared to get 
actual help for their children. Glad you brought that up because there are a lot of parents that are seeing what's going on here and they're not okay with it. And that's not just conservative parents or Christian parents, that's right. just parents are seeing this saying, this is a step too far. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these parents are afraid to say anything because they will be labeled intolerant bigots. So they're afraid to even speak up when their school system, their educators, their doctors are indoctrinating their children. They don't want to say anything. What advice would you give parents that are in that situation? Maybe they're not as strong and bold as people like you and me. What resources do they have to push back if they're fearful of being called a name? Well, I'll tell you, it does help to support people that are putting themselves on the front lines and doing this important activism work and helping the other families who are truly being affected in ways that we don't even understand. Their children are the ones that are the guinea pigs. And for anybody who wants to call me a you know transphobic person, that is fine because I know the people calling me that. And those are the people that are okay with mutilating children, with cutting off their breasts, with double mastectomies, with you know in introducing programs called HOT where they teach children to tuck their penises. This is sick stuff. So I'm, I'm proud to wear that label. And furthermore, I think that they are the ones who are transphobic because they're the ones that are so scared of their broken ideology that they had to hide behind children and the exploitation of their minds and bodies. You're exactly right, and you brought up tucking. So that goes to our topic two because, uh, listen, drag shows for consenting adults are nothing new. And quite frankly, they're usually harmless entertainment at brunches for adults. But now these shows are being catered to young people. And here's just one example out of Tucson, Arizona. Take a look. just plain bizarre to me. That's plain bizarre. Like I said, drag shows, they've been a known thing. Adults go to them. Oftentimes it's like a fun bachelorette party tradition that people do. But this has now come to the point where young people are not only being taken to these kind of shows, but they're being catered to young people as if they should want to attend a drag show if they even know what drag is at this point. I'm not even sure they do. You know, I mean, drag is inherently sexual. It has always been about sexual expression, and nobody's been trying to shut down drag shows until they involve children. We all know as adults, it's adult entertainment, just like strip strippers are. And I don't care if they're wearing a turtleneck. I don't care what they're doing there. If they're around children, they're bringing something that is adult in nature, that is sexual in, in, in nature, and has always been that way, and subjecting children to it. There is no need for it. It's inappropriate. And as long as it's allowed to continue, they'll take that next step. And that's what we've seen with all these videos across the country, right? We've seen them test the waters. And now they actually have stripper pole lessons at some of these pride events. I mean, it, it's entangled with the radical gender agenda. And so we know that these things, once again, are not organic, are not natural, are not part of being tolerant. They're part of pushing a sexual destabilization agenda. I wonder if there's a segment of the LGBT community who looks at this and says, I don't endorse this. I feel like there are certainly a, probably a large number, but they're also afraid of betraying their community. Because there, there's people out there, I have plenty of friends who are gay, bisexual, I even have friends who are maybe transgender, doesn't matter. They look at this and go, this is too much. 
100%. You know what happens to them? They get censored. They get deleted off of Twitter. Look at gays for groomers. They're the most effective activists. And they are a group of gay people saying, hey, we want nothing to do with this agenda. This is not what we're about. And they're standing up stronger than many organizations that are claiming to fight this issue. So I really support their work. We work together on a lot of different initiatives. Um, and they were recently banned from Twitter for just doing the same thing that Libs of TikTok effectively does, just showing people what they're doing. Um, and so either Twitter hates gays or hates uh, covering up the pedophile agenda um, and sexualization of children, because that is what they're standing up against. And their movement is growing. They've seemingly just reinvented themselves over and over and over. So they're a great organization, uh, group of people to follow. Caitlyn Jenner is another person who has been very outspoken about this, not only with men competing as women in women's sports, but also this targeting of children. It's not right. It has no place in the education system. It has no place in the medical system. But parents are being left out of the conversation. Parents also need to be more active, though, and know what their, their kids are watching, because a lot of parents, they are way too laid back. They don't know what's going on, and that's a huge part of this problem. But the last topic I have for you is, uh, this one doesn't involve child grooming at all, but it's just some good old-fashioned racism. White people banned from off-campus UC Berkeley student housing common areas. This sounds a lot like segregation, a lot like what the loving and tolerant left claims to be against. They're all about equality, but now it's like white people, just white people in general, are too toxic to be in these areas. What the heck is going on? We know it's UC Berkeley, but still. I mean... It's UC Berkeley. That's that's number one. I mean, they are the leading the way towards segregation. And, and that's exactly what this is. There's really no other explanation to break it down to. And I just think about like my oldest daughter, she's 13. And we've sadly made some big mistakes going to these woke private schools, um, one being in California, who basically looked at her because she looks like me but she is part Cuban. She no longer gets to be part of the minority club. She no longer gets to enjoy the benefits that they, they ascribe, not, right, not rightfully so, but to other minorities. So it's really not about that. It's about an inherent hatred for white skin, white people. Um, and, and so we learned that firsthand years ago with it. Oh, wow, this is not at all. You know, tolerance, inclusivity day, that's not what it is at all. It is about hating white people and it's just becoming normalized. But white people are leading the charge against hating white people. I <laughs> tweeted this the other day, but I've yeah. been thinking about this for a long time now. There was just an, another teacher, a white teacher, I believe she's female, I couldn't 100% tell, but it was a, a fourth grade teacher out of Utah that was talking about how she has no white people represented in her classrooms. And I thought to myself, just by looking at you, um, I hate to judge people by per looks and perception alone, because who knows, but it looked like you're a white person who hates white people you are so desperate to fit in because you are such a misfit in life that you want to fit in somewhere and hating white people, your own race, is the place you found to do that. It's very odd what this is coming to. Well, this is where critical race theory you know, started up in upper academia and now those people are the educators of the next generation pushing CRT. They hate themselves. They have so much white guilt because that is what they were taught that they're now breeding that into young children and exposing them to hate themselves in return. But isn't it interesting all of the diversity, equity, you know, agendas rolled around, around all these corporations when they have that, that day where they have to come do the trainings? It's always some white liberal woman doing the right. training, right? Because they you know, have to outsource to bring in somebody. You know, it's just so funny. It is, those are the people pushing it the hardest. None of my friends who happen to be you know, black or Hispanic, none of them like this stuff. They think it's ridiculous, it's demeaning, it's condescending, and it's, it's racist. Condescending. It's con <laughs> the thing about it is it's so condescending. When white liberals preach, yes. 
to people of color that they are victims. Right. I can't think of anything more racist than that. 100%. Because here's a lot of conservatives, white conservatives, black conservatives, brown conservatives saying, listen, I think that we're all equal. We all have different stories. We all walk in different shoes. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're all equal and we should come towards a middle ground of us all just being Americans and fighting the same fight. Then you have white liberals that say, mm-mm, not so much. We need to feel bad for these people. Right. That is the most racist right. ideology I have ever heard, but they get away with it because it makes them seem like they're doing something, yet they hang out in their white liberal circles with other white liberals, and they look at people of color like it's a freaking petting zoo. It's not. It's disgusting. It drives me crazy. It, it drives me crazy, too. I, I mean, at this point, I just laugh at these people. Like, you cannot take them seriously. Like, they are racist, but it's also just comical how stupid these people are and how people blindly follow them as the experts. I mean, and when are we going to start thinking for ourselves and stop trusting these experts. They have fully discredited themselves over the past four years with these crazy things that they're doing from, you know, maiming the bodies of children to pushing hateful ideologies and racist ideologies in schools. I mean, when are we just going to pull the plug on it? Last question I have for you. We have midterms coming up and we've seen some incredible races in Florida, a lot of school boards flipping, a lot of big changes are being made. It seems like everything is going off a cliff, that this stuff is becoming so normalized and so odd and so bizarre and so commonplace. But do you think the pendulum is swinging? Are people finally saying, mm, this is a little too far? I do. I think that the common consensus amongst parents is that they don't want any of this in schools. There's a lot of corruption within different, you know, GOPs across the nation. There's some that are thriving, doing the right thing, being able to flip the school boards and every other election so that we can prioritize this issue and actually do something about it. But I would say the most important thing is that parents have to understand, like, we need to all get behind school choice. That is the one solution mm -hmm. that benefits everyone except, you know, the radical uh, school board, you know, uh, the school board members and then the national teachers unions. Yeah, teachers unions exactly it benefits all the right people though the actual kids that are you know in these failing education systems and um it's it, it is true equality you know you're giving kids equal footing to start out with they shouldn't go to a school based on their zip code of just you know their failing school you have to go to this crappy school where you're not going to get to get an education like what happens in baltimore um it really again it's the parents right to decide for their child what is best for their child where the, what environment their child is going to thrive in so i think that is really something as conservatives as people that care about children we need to prioritize this issue look what's happening in arizona i mean we're so excited that that movement has started there so we really need to champion that that is a civil rights issue of our time it is in parenthood it knows no color it knows no political affiliation no gender identity it's just parenthood and people caring about children caring about their children and caring about making sure they get a quality education and an upbringing that's free from all of this crap because that's really what it is let's just teach kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, because Lord knows we could use some more of that. Leanna, thank you for being here and breaking all this down. I'm sure there'll be many more stories you'll have to come back and let us know what's going around the country, and what we need to pay attention to. Thanks. All right, but up next, I'm opening up my mentions with some of my favorite mean tweets. Don't miss it. I've decided to open up my mentions to all of you to read some of the colorful and uh, overwhelmingly nice mentions and tweets and comments that I get on a daily basis. Here are just some of my recent favorites. So let's start with number one. Um, the first one, this person, who I'm not going to say their name, um, although it's obviously not their real name, tells me I'm not even a real blonde. Okay. So, I would like to address this with a photo. Uh, there it is. This is me as a child, clearly 
with blonde hair. So if all you can come up with is that I'm not a real blonde, I don't know. You got to work on some better material. But speaking of that, my next one is actually going after my material. So I'll read it for you. Someday, Tommy Lauren will learn how to write decent copy that doesn't sound like runner-up prom princess butthurt. Who am I kidding? No, she won't. I like runner-up prom princess butthurt because it's also fun to say. It's got some nice alliteration. And quite frankly, I will take that accolade. Thank you so much. And my writing will always remain the same. But next up, so this one I have to set up for you, give you a little context. Uh, I tweeted out my segment from last week on Gen Zers who are quiet quitting, saying that they need to get a job, they need to work hard, that they're lazy AF. And this person responded that I am still in my basement. Responded to a clip of me here on my set telling me I'm in my basement. First of all, I'm not even in the basement of a studio. I'm on the first level of a studio. Clearly not in my basement. But thank you so much because this would be a very lovely basement for someone somewhere. The next one is similar. Uh, Tommy, you don't even have a job. You produce nothing but shrill, incoherent noise. Go get your mousy roots done, Taunty. I love it when people purposely make up different names for me, spinoffs of Tommy. It's always super creative. But yet again, I don't even have a job. What do you think I'm doing here? Do you think I just broke into somebody's set and I'm sitting here in front of a camera because I enjoy it or because I got away with it? Good Lord, obviously I have a job. And furthermore, I don't need to get my mousy roots done because I diet this way on purpose. If you don't get it, go check out Instagram and search for it. It's called a root melt. You're welcome. But still ahead, Joe Brandon is forcing you, the American taxpayer, to dig into your pockets to foot the student debt bill, and oh boy, do I have some final thoughts. We knew this was coming to cover up for a multitude, a smorgasbord, a charcuterie of failures. The Brandon administration is set to forgive more student debt and extend the payment pause another four months. So this means 10000 bucks will be completely forgiven for those who make less than $125,000 per year. And yes, that is the largest amount of federal student loan forgiveness handed out to date. I think y'all can probably guess how I and everyone else out there who busted our own butts to pay off our own debt feel about this. This isn't just a slap in the face to those who already paid off our debts, but what about the over 70% of Americans without a degree? Or the Americans who went to a school they could afford so as not to be cash-strapped and waist-deep in loans? I guess all of us should just take one on the chin for the brats who took out loans they knew couldn't or wouldn't be paid back, no thanks to their lousy liberal arts or other worthless degrees. No, I don't think so. You took out the loan, you pay back the loan. If after four to six years at an overpriced university, you still don't get that concept, well, therein lies yet another reinforcement to my point. Why should the rest of the taxpayers in this country, the ones who likely had to forego spring break vacations, AirPods, and golden goose shoes due to the price of tuition, be forced to pick up the tab for students who likely spent between four and six years boozing, fratting, or organizing sit-ins against Donald Trump? If these Democrats actually gave a hoot about the inflated cost of anything, let alone college tuition, they get the federal government out of the student loan business and force these institutions to be price competitive. Or, here's a thought, maybe the tenured liberal professors should take a pay cut or even redistribute their hefty salaries towards student education. That's what a good socialist would do, right Bernie, right Elizabeth Warren? 
these professors are pulling in huge salaries and benefits to have grad assistants teach the bulk of their courses, and it's a freaking joke. But speaking of a freaking joke, if you guys haven't checked out this chick, Nina Turner's Twitter feed, well, I suggest you give it a whirl for entertainment value alone, because she has got to be one of the most logically comatose woke people to ever enter Twitter. Yet again, way to drive home my point, Nina. American taxpayers should foot the bill for people like you who are supposedly educated but yet don't understand how the federal government obtains that money? I'll let you phone a friend, Nina. Hi, it's Tommy, and the answer is the American taxpayer funds the government. The federal government pays for nothing. The federal government is broke. Taxpayers pay for it all. And I'll close this impassioned diatribe with one last little tidbit for y'all to gnaw on. We're already raising a generation of entitled brats. The last thing we should be doing is reinforcing the notion to those entitled brats that someone else is on the hook for their bills. <laughs> Sorry, no, wrong answer, F minus, get a job, pay for your own crap, end of story. And those are my final thoughts. Be sure to check out the entire show on outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.